Listener Production. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. When the new year comes around, a lot of us like to look ahead and set goals for our future self. Maybe it's wanting to get fitter or richer or happier or even just drink more water and read more. But more often than not, we don't stick to them. In fact, around 80% of resolutions fail by the end of January. I think the fall down comes around the planning piece and putting in structures that can actually help to scaffold the effort that they need to be maintaining over time to get where they want to go. So how do we make them stick? And are resolutions a healthy form of goal setting or should we be doing something completely different? All that coming up in the second half of the episode. First, though, Katrina Blowers is here with me for today's headlines. It is Friday, the 2nd of February. Hello, Sasha. Hi, everyone. Well, the US is going to launch airstrikes at Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. This is in retaliation after a drone attack killed three US soldiers and injured 41 others in Jordan, close to the Syrian border, on Sunday. We will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our interests, and our people. That's US Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin. Uh, the US blamed an Iranian-backed militia group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq for that attack, and they have claimed responsibility. Now, Iran has denied any role in the attack. There isn't an exact timeline on when the strikes will take place, Sasha, only that they will depend on the weather. And despite saying they will respond to the attack, Joe Biden has said uh, that the US doesn't want to widen the conflict in the Middle East. Now, the three bodies of the US soldiers killed in the attack in Jordan are expected to be repatriated to Delaware Air Force Base later today, and President Joe Biden will be there when they arrive. Uh, He's also expected to issue this executive order targeting Israeli settlers in the West Bank who have been attacking Palestinians. And this comes amid fast-growing frustration in the US and UK at Israel's trajectory in the war and its refusal to contemplate the establishment of a viable Palestinian state. It's been revealed $57 million in donations made to Australia's political parties came from unknown sources. The AEC released its analysis of political returns for the last year yesterday, showing Labor and the Coalition were handed about $200 million from donors over that period. While an analysis by The Guardian has found about a quarter of the cash given to the major parties had unknown origins, Katrina. Yeah, so this practice where none of us know where the funding comes from, except I guess for those who gave it and those who received it, is called dark money. And parties are only required to reveal who made a donation if the amount is over $15,200. So we do know some of the donors who forked out the cash, including Sportsbet and PwC. Uh, Anthony Albanese has already said he's looking to reform the rules around this space by the next election. Uh, That could include lowering the disclosure threshold to only $1,000 and introducing a cap on how much money can be given. That'll be a significant shake-up in that space. Yeah, definitely. And we also know some of the other uh, amounts of money given out that have to be made public. Young energy trader Marcus Castaris gave a million dollars to Climate 200. So that was to help it influence federal policies to favour renewable energies. And that's a big space where these political donations can, you know, the waters become a little 
little bit murky as to, you know, who's giving the money and why are they giving the money? What are they trying to influence? A Perth investor donated a million dollars to conservative group Advance Australia while it campaigned against the Indigenous voice. Uh, Gina Reinhart, she backed the Liberals with 150 grand and packaging boss Anthony Pratt favoured Labor with a million dollars. So lots of money being thrown around. Interestingly as well, the Nationals did have the lowest percentage of dark money, but we do know Philip Morris donated $75,000 their way. And this is controversial because other parties have refused to receive any money from the tobacco companies. So it all comes out in the wash in the end. And yeah, if Anthony Albanese gets these reforms passed, then we'll pretty much know everyone who's giving money to the political parties. We have more for you on that story we brought you yesterday about a licensing deal involving TikTok and Universal Music Group. So today, some of the musicians who've had their previously little-known songs go viral on TikTok, you know, which is life-changing for these artists, well, they're expressing their disappointment after the app pulled their music. And you might notice that some of the bigger artists like Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Olivia Rodrigo, they've completely disappeared. In fact, any video featuring artists signed with Universal has their music muted and new videos can't be made with those tracks. So what a shake-up. This comes after TikTok and Universal Music Group failed to reach a new licensing deal. The label wanted more cash for royalties for its artists, but TikTok, they didn't want to pay up and they're accusing Universal of greed. Among those speaking out is an artist called Noah Khan who had his now number one song, Stick Seasons, go viral on the app. I won't be able to promote my music on TikTok anymore. You're going to have to pre-save forever now if you want to listen to it because I can't stick it down your throats anymore on this app so pre-saves forever uh, i'm still releasing it still coming out and uh you know i'll probably be okay right i'll land on my feet right now he was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there i want to give the context the song in the background was that in the arms of an angel song i think it's sarah mclaughlin singing about animals <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those songs that gets used on tiktok as a bit of a piss take but you know he is expressing that concern around what's going to happen to artists like him who are relatively unknown they put some music out and then it goes gangbusters and the flow and effects are huge as well because it tiktok has become one of the most influential spaces when it comes to releasing and promoting music even for the big artists so lewis capaldi when he was releasing his new album was putting up snippets on tiktok and speaking about them and it's promotion and it saves them from having to fly and drive all over the world. They can just sit in their bedrooms and promote music and it's very, very successful for them. So how is this going to look in practice? Well, while the existing sounds have been muted and no new videos can be made with them, unofficial, sped up and slowed down versions of songs will still be able to exist on the platform. So you know, they're not disappearing completely, but the artists won't be getting uh, any sort of promotion for their official tracks or any royalties. And a pigeon thought to have been a Chinese spy has been set free by Indian authorities. So this bird spent eight months in detention, but was finally released into the wild yesterday. So why did this pigeon spend eight months in pigeon jail. Well, it was captured in May last year in Mumbai with two rings tied to its legs carrying words that appeared to be Chinese. So police suspected it was involved in espionage. Crazy, right? Yeah. It turns out the pigeon was in fact an open water racing bird from Taiwan that had escaped and made its way to India. That poor pigeon with its (laughs) tiny little tin cup rattling against the bars of pigeon jail. 
I'm glad he's free now. Yeah, and, you know, it sounds bizarre, but, you know, in 2020 there was a bird suspected of espionage in India's north after it flew across uh, the militarised border between Kashmir and Pakistan. So, you know, pigeons are very clever uh, operators. They can navigate with these amazing skills. So, you know, I guess it's not completely out of the realm. I guess it just sounds strange here in Australia to hear about a spy pigeon. I don't think they're clever per se, but they can fly well and they are, you you know, they are good at navigating. But, you know, pigeons have been used um, for spying purposes since the Roman times. So not an entirely crazy proposition. Now, Sasha, before we get into the deep dive, we wanted to shout out some of our listeners who've reached out and left some comments this week. First off, we've had some amazing ideas for stories sent through by you all. So thank you for those. We're working very hard to get to uh, those in the coming weeks. Yes. And also a big hello to everyone who has joined our new broadcast channel, which is called Behind the Briefing. That's on Instagram. This week, we asked you if you could handle spending nine months on a cruise off the back of our chat with Christian. Hull and a huge majority voted um no way just five people were all for it and we also had some great comments on our chat about Georgie Purcell that's the animal justice MP from Victoria who had her image altered by Channel 9 this week uh, at Auntie Sonia said not to make fun of this because it's atrocious but Adobe coming out and defending its Photoshop program was not on my 2024 bingo card and at Jackie Pike said they are always trying to sexualize Georgie Purcell and bring it back to her looks to try to make people forget what she is talking about. Duck shooting was not banned by Victorian Labor, even though their own inquiry recommended it. So yeah, some great comments from our listeners. Thank you so much. Remember, you can always reach out on Instagram, just search the briefing and send us a DM. And if you do want to hear our chat with Georgie, we aired it on July 7 last year. Katrina, thank you for joining us for the headlines. Have a fabulous weekend. Next up, it is our deep dive on New Year's resolutions. I want you to think back to your first week of this year. I know it was such a long time ago, but do you remember how you were feeling about 2024? Was it excited, energised? Were you ready to take on the world? There seems to be something about January 1st that sparks this desire in us to do or be better, whether that's getting into exercise, reading more books, upping our veggie intake, or maybe getting ahead at work. New Year's resolutions are made by millions of people around the world every year, and usually those people have the intention to stick to them. But up to 80% of resolutions fail, and mostly within a few weeks. And what this can set off is a years-long cycle of making and breaking the same resolution over and over again. So... Our resolutions or our approach to them in need of a shake-up. I'm joined now by Dr. Gordon Spence from the University of Sydney, who specialises in coaching psychology. Dr. Spence, thanks for joining us on the briefing. What is it about January 1st that triggers this desire in us to improve or change ourselves? Yeah, I think one of the things about it is it's it's obviously a pretty significant calendar date. And what behavioural scientists have actually been researching for quite some time is actually the impact of significant calendar dates on um, behaviour, particularly change behaviours. And so in that particular branch of behavioural science, researchers don't just look at New Year's. Um, They look at all sorts of other significant uh, moments in the calendar. So change of seasons, starts of school years, birthdays, obviously, all these sorts of things. 
they provide sort of temporal landmarks, if you like, and the way they describe it is that um, these temporal landmarks are kind of useful because they allow us to, if you like, start a new mental accounting period where we can sort of close off the previous period and sort of almost put our imperfections of the past to the side and start a new slate, as it were. So it's not just New Year's, it's, it's a whole bunch of different dates in the calendar that can potentially give us opportunities to do this. The other thing about that is it also encourages people to be able to sort of almost pull back and look at the bigger picture of their life and get focused on, you know, their aspirations and some of their hopes and, and dreams, etc. And, and sort of come at life more from a top-down type of approach where they're thinking about that bigger picture and using then, you know, their ability to think about what they want to do and start to make some plans and get moving. So it's actually a really interesting area, this fresh start effect driven by significant dates in the calendar. Yeah, I feel like New Year's resolutions used to be, I don't know, I felt like there was more social pressure to have a New Year's resolution and it was usually something really clear cut. It wasn't just, oh, I want to spend more time outdoors. It was like, I want to quit smoking. I don't want to drink anymore. I need to lose 10 kilos. And I've noticed, at least to me in my social bubble and, you know, the people I spend my time with, that trend has really sort of died down a little bit. What are we seeing these days in terms of how people are approaching, say, the new year and kind of what their most common goals are that we're seeing at the moment? Yeah. So I think you're right. I think your perception of these things and their prevalence is determined by the social bubbles and social circles that you that you move in. I think it's also impacted by age as well and certain stages of life. You know, maybe let, let's talk about sort of early 20s, early 30s, um, when people are, are really striving and aspiring for things that maybe that, that tendency is stronger. I haven't read any research on that, but that would be my hunch. And then in terms of the sorts of goals that people use these calendar dates and New Year's for is that a whole range of things. So I think probably health in all the research reports I've read tends to be fairly much top of the tree, followed by uh, relationship goals and career type goals, financial goals. It's, it's the full gamut really of sort of human preoccupations that really get a chance to be uh, moved on and addressed by the setting of these resolutions. And perhaps another answer to your question might be, maybe people are realising that actually New Year doesn't have to be the time in which these things are done, that, as I've already said, the other dates, significant dates in the calendar also provide these opportunities. So we really don't need to wait until 31st of December rolls around to start thinking about these things. We can kind of get going at any stage. Mm. The old adage with New Year's resolutions is you have the best of intentions for the first three to four weeks of January. By February 1st, you've dropped off. What is it that makes us kind of fall off the wagon, so to speak, when we're setting goals for ourselves? I think, you know, having having worked in this sort of space and, and, and talked to people about goal setting for, you know, 25 years, my strong feeling about this is that people generally don't do enough in terms of thinking through People need to be clear on what exactly they're trying to achieve, but also the reasons why. You know, what's the motivation? How is life going to be better as a result of me being able to to hit this aspiration or this goal that I'm laying down for myself? And so I think particularly with New Year's resolutions where they can come unstuck, and if you look at some of the literature around goal achievement in respect of New Year's resolutions, pretty much less than half 
people who set resolutions tend to attain them. Depends on, you know, which studies you look at. But the success rate's not great. So what you're saying is absolutely right. And I think it's because people don't do enough in terms of setting themselves up for it and thinking through and a planning process to actually work out, you know, the how, when and where of their goal setting and their goal progression. So it's really, I think, the fall down comes around the planning piece and putting in structures that can actually help to scaffold the effort that they need to be maintaining over time to get where they want to go. Do you think setting resolutions in the general sense is healthy? Is it healthy behaviour or is it something that we need to kind of ditch and look at it in a completely different way? Well, I, I don't see it as being, as being unhealthy. You know, I can, obviously it can be more, more or less effective, but there's nothing unhealthy about it. I, I think, you know, human beings are goal-directed beings. And so we're, we're always sort of thinking and try to move towards, move into the future in ways that can be most effective, most satisfying. So I don't think it's, it's unhealthy. I think people can become despondent about it, can be uh, rather discouraged around their attempts to try and achieve some of these things. And as I said, I think a part of that, a big part of that is really related to um, the planning that people, the action planning people put in and some of the other things that they can potentially put in place for themselves to scaffold their effort. Things like implementation intentions. So implementation intentions are a a sort of a a cognitive technique, if you like, that that are simply a series of if-then statements right? If X, then Y. So if I go to the supermarket and I've got an aspiration around losing weight or or eating more healthily or whatever it might be, if I go to the supermarket, then I'm going to go to the, to the fresh fruit section first, or I'm just going to shop around the outside of Woolies rather than those middle, than those middle aisles where all the processed canned food (laughs) tends to hang out. I mean, there's those sorts of little techniques can help us to get in front of where we're at behaviourally and start to think about, well, when I'm in this situation, if there's a potential for me to to not adhere to what I want to do, then I've already thought through the mechanism and the action that I, that I want to take. And so those sorts of things, again, are just part of a more complete way of planning for the things that we're aspiring to achieve. That is all for the briefing for now. Thank you so much for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Have you nailed your resolution this year? Have you already fallen off the wagon or do you think they're stupid and outdated? Whatever the thought, send it through to us. You can hit us up on Instagram. Just search the briefing and send us a DM. And also while you're there, don't forget to join our broadcast channel behind the briefing. Thanks for listening. Listener.